Hi, my name is Matt, and welcome to Education Exploration. On this podcast, we explore and learn about people serving in different career industries. The conversations focus on what it takes to reach our pathways and goals to educational and professional success. Well, welcome everyone back to the Education Exploration Podcast. Uh, This week's episode is incredibly exciting because I get a chance to catch up with a former colleague and uh, learn a little bit about what she's been up to. Um, I know she's had some changes in her life, um, some very positive changes. And so I'm uh, incredibly looking forward to spending some time with her today on this episode. So if you would please uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Lina Dominguez. And well, I was a math teacher and now I'm a math instructional coach for Round Rock ISD. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it, Lena. So to kind of get us started on our topics for today, and you know, I know I did send you some questions, but if you can kind of just take us through a little bit about like, what was your college journey like? Um, you know, where, where'd you go to school? What'd you major in? Uh, those, those types of things. Okay. College sucked. Um, I went to Texas State and I went immediately after high school and I had to put myself through college, which is why it sucked. So while being a full-time student, I was also working 40 to 50 hours a week. I didn't get to have the fun college experience. I went to one college party my entire college career and honestly, I was I was so tired that um, I, I don't think I hung out with them past like midnight. But I mean, that that's just like the college experience. I would say... Um, I had some really great professors there. I had um, a great learning experience. Um, I actually went and got accepted into the School of Business. My bachelor's, I have a BBA in business management. And at Texas State, really awesome professors. I think I learned a lot from them and got some really good pointers for uh, life in general. So that was my my first college experience. Uh, My second college experience, I got my master's online a couple years ago. So that was, I did that right at, well, during being pregnant with my first and then right after having her. So that was also (laughs) probably not the best (laughs) college experience either. Um, But... Yeah, it is what it is. I got a good degree, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So very much like you, I started along the path of business as well. And I actually have my undergrad in general business from University of Texas at San Antonio. And so I have a special place for all the things that I learned as, as a business student. And so I'm kind of just wondering what, or I'll say it like this, why did you choose business as a undergrad degree? So I'm the first one in my family to go to college and this sounds terrible. So keep the judging to a minimum, but um, my parents very much did not want me to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. My parents did not want me to be a teacher. I was the first one to go to college and they wanted me to be something so much more. They were aiming for lawyer, doctor, and I was I absolutely was not aiming for a lawyer or a doctor. Um, I hate arguing. And um, while I can handle the side of blood, uh, hours of biology classes and studying cell mitosis and meiosis just wasn't my thing. So business was like kind of happy medium because I guess they were like, oh, okay, she'll own her own company and become this huge CEO. <laughs> so business was like a compromise with uh, my parents, even though, again, my I, I had to put myself through school. So I don't know why I cared so much about what they wanted, but I, I did. And um, I graduated 
and did 10 years in corporate America. You're going to love this. I did adult education. So I did online learning and I traveled all over the United States doing face-to-face learning, brick and mortar, is what they called it, for a software for about five years. And then I switched to like HR skills, like, you know, public speaking, which I've, I've lost all the skills. I can't do public speaking anymore without saying um a thousand times. So please excuse that. And communication skills, time management, stuff like that. So that's what I did 10 years after graduating. So, you know, in my 30s, I finally decided, oh, I should probably please me instead of my parents. And that's when I uh, quit corporate America and I got really lucky and got a job in Round Rock as a seventh grade math teacher. And as soon as I had been in my campus for two years, I went for my master's. At first, I could become principal one day. And so I have my master's in educational leadership. And I taught for three more years after that. And then I switched to become an instructional coach. So that's a great story. And I'm really glad that you painted the picture in that way, because very much like you, I didn't start teaching until I was 30. And I think looking back on it, and I've shared this with other guests on the podcast, but I think having that experience really elevated my ability to be able to, well, one, stand in front of a whole bunch of kids that you know I didn't know anything about. And I'm like, here I have a room full of, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth graders, like, what are we doing today, guys, type of thing, right? But so to kind of back up a little bit, because I'm really curious about this is if I were to ask you, like, what, what was your takeaways from spending that time in corporate America? Again, you said you were, you know, mainly doing adult education work. How has those skills transformed you into the teacher that you are today? That's a good question. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if it really impacted my teaching skills. I say what it impacted the most is my um, relationship with my principal and my admin team, because I came in with a completely different perspective than all the teachers that I work with. I, I don't know if it's, you know, because I mean, I'm coming in, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and I'm coming in with new teachers who are millennials. And I know Matt, you're much older than that. So you probably can't relate to this, but um, you know, I, I had a hard time relating to these, these millennial teachers who were like very much entitled and like, oh, they can't fire me. They need to, they need to give me X, Y, and Z and they need to give me this, this, and this. And I'm like, um, no, they don't because I was working during, you know, the employment dip in 2008 and where half of my friends all lost their jobs. And so I have this way different, you know, perspective where it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to do what I'm told you know, I'm not going to be entitled. I'm not going to expect everything. I'm going to work my hardest and do what I have to do. So I would, I would definitely say my corporate experience affected that relationship. I think my my admin team liked me as a person a little bit better, maybe. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. But they knew that, you know, they didn't have to, like, they knew I was going to take care of it. They knew I wasn't going to give them a hard time. They knew I wasn't going to make, you know, excessive demands. And I was going to do what was best for the kids. Okay, great. Yeah. So kind of my, my part two to that question is, what was the transition like? For you from moving from corporate America into the classroom and mainly like I'm kind of curious about what that journey looked like for you and then the other part to that is how did you handle that as you're working your way into a different career path if you will so I'm probably not going to give you the response that you're wanting to hear the one that's going to help out the majority of your listeners who are maybe in a similar situation but honestly 
it was so smooth and it went so well and it felt like finally this is where I'm supposed to be why didn't I do this 10 years ago oh my gosh and don't get me wrong I had my hard days I worked in a title one school um my first year teaching seventh grade math I had a kid who could not add like 10 plus you know five or some you know something like he had to use his fingers and, you know, when I asked him to do 10 minus five, you know, he had to write it out and he had to like cross out the one and then carry the one over the zero, which essentially is still, you know, 10 minus five. And that's what I was working with my first year. And I was, I was shocked. I was so shocked. So I had my challenges. I had behavior challenges. I had all sorts of interesting challenges. But as far as the transition goes, it's like, that's where I was supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. I didn't have that. Like, I didn't have those doubts. I didn't have the like, oh my gosh, I'm going back. You know, none of that ever crossed my mind. It was... Mm -hmm it was very seamless for me to just, I quit my job and literally the next day I started reporting to a school, like literally the next day. Um, so it was just meant to be. So yeah. So did you get alternatively certified or, or I did you go to? Did. I you got did? Okay. So little secret, I actually got alternatively certified um, two years after I graduated college when I was still in corporate America. Because again, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. But I got alternatively certified two years after I graduated, but I still spent another eight years in corporate America before I actually used it. And see, I'm actually glad that you said it exactly that way, because one of the things that I'm trying to sort of help people by you know putting this type of content online is that just because you're in a certain situation doesn't mean it's going to be forever right and so the other part to that too is what what are you doing to help prepare yourself for future opportunities and you recognize that hey this isn't exactly what i want to be doing but i'm going to go out and i'm going to get a certification and i'm going to prepare myself to be able to what I like to call like pivot if I needed to, right? And so ultimately that ended up being a very successful thing for you because if it wasn't for that, then you wouldn't be where you're at today, right? Is that kind of fair to say? Absolutely. It was a fluke that I decided that one year during the summer, hey, I'm going to start applying for teaching positions. I'm just, I'm done. I want to start. And I, you know, obviously if I had just started then and I hadn't done my alternative certification, I wouldn't have been able to accept the job or because there's so many things you have to do prior before. And well, actually, no, I think people are doing it this moment of, I, I don't know how it works anymore to be perfectly honest. I did it so long ago now, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works anymore. <laughs> I, I know I had to do stuff prior before I was allowed in the classroom. So maybe that's changed. I don't know. I don't know. Man. Yeah. No, I know. And, and every, 20 years ago. Okay. <laughs> and every program is so different and, and unique. Uh, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what program did you go through? I had Texas teachers. Same here. All right. So to kind of pivot a little bit about, you know, what we've been talking about so far. So, I'm curious to know a little bit about what your classroom experience was like, um, because I didn't meet you until I came back to Hernandez and, you know, supported as an instructional technology specialist. And that's how you and I got to know each other. But I'm curious to kind of know a little bit about what that career was like at that campus. It definitely changed year by year. One thing I will say is that 
Each year we tried something new. And again, it was all for the kids. We're trying to find what works for the kids. I know doing something new, you know, and not having some consistency, it can be really rough, especially like I'm a type A personality. I need, I have a schedule. I mean, I have the next 10 years of my life planned, um, you know, doing one thing one year and be like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to switch to something else that normally would have really affected me. But one thing that I always kept in my heart is like, it's, it's for the kids and what's mm-hmm. going to work best for him, them. And like, oh, we, you know, there's this new study and, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, did this and Marzano says this. And so we first, you know, we would try different things. And so it, that definitely affected what my year was like. You know, I think my first year, it was very much about just, you know, helping the, uh, there was a huge, I was a math teacher and there was a huge focus on reading. And I didn't have an assistant principal at the time who had any math experience or particularly, you know, knew how to really coach and really focus on it. So it seemed like the whole admin team was very much focused on ELA. And then the very next year I got someone who was math focused and they'd done XYZ and we need to do XYZ in the classroom. And so that it definitely changed year by year, but it was always, I feel like I I learned something new and I took something positive from all of it. I don't think there was one new thing I tried in my classroom or one new experience I had that was bad. Because again, it helped, you know, one group of kids or it helped, you know, this group of kids or even it helped all the kids. So that's, that was very positive with it. Yeah. One thing that I do want to mention to our audience is that, you know, I, I had the, I guess I will call it the, the great opportunity for me to be able to spend some time in your classroom. And one thing that I noticed right away is that you were willing to try different things in the classroom to help your kids. But not only that, the, and it's, it's kind of hard for me to put into words, but it's almost like the kids gravitated towards your particular teaching style and structure. And I was looking around, you know, the few times that I had an opportunity to, to visit your classroom and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I mean, you, and, and again, I didn't know how much teaching experience you had at the time but I'm looking around and I'm thinking I mean these kids are I mean they're engaged they have choice they are learning at or I'll say like this learning in ways that really I guess appeal to their learning style and so can you kind of just talk me through like how did you develop that over time so honestly that's not stuff that I I came in with because it was I came in with adult education this is how we're going to train you and that that's it I, I didn't have to think about, you know, engaging young minds and, you know, because it's, it's so different, especially at the elementary level or not elementary, the middle school level, because their minds are somewhere else. There's so much going on, especially at a Title I school. There's so much going on with them. Like education is like the last thing. So you do have to do fun things to engage them and hook them and get them in. Mm-hmm. And I was so lucky to be at the campus I was at. I was so lucky to have the admin that I did because, you know, they, that's something they talked about. And I was sent on some pretty awesome PDs where we did integrate technology into the classroom. And there was all these awesome things like, you know, Nearpod where I could, you know, they could do their work on the computer. Kids love playing on the computer, love writing on the computer and they love playing games. And so if you can like integrate that and still like 
get data from it so you know where they're at, I mean, that's huge because it's one thing to let them do, oh, a fun activity from Teachers Pay Teachers. Ooh, yay, we get to play this game or on, you know, oh, look, this cool math game. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't get any data from that cool math site. So I don't know how my kids are learning or what they're doing. And I'm sorry, but like more than half the stuff on uh, Teachers Pay Teachers, like none of that's aligned to Texas Teaks. That's all common core. So like I wasn't getting, like you can't get good data from some of that stuff. So luckily I was able to attend some, you know, PDs that talk about, okay, let's use our Teaks, let's use our stuff and let's integrate into Nearpod, let's integrate it into Kahoot or let's use Socrative or all these different um, avenues where I can get them excited about, okay, yes, you are doing technology, you are having fun, but I'm getting data from it. I can see that, okay, from this last Kahoot game where we were covering, you know, the area of circles, you maybe got, you got four out of five and now you have five out of five. So you've shown me some growth. I can get that data, which is like crucial, but I know you really focus. And as far as like giving them choice, I mean, that's everything too, because I had kids who didn't want to play on the computer. Um, I had one year, a very, very emotionally disturbed student who I was the only teacher who never cussed out. So yay me, um, <laughs> who didn't want to do computers. He didn't want to do anything. And so what I would have to do is I'd have to get the rest of the class going and then yes, I would get them working and then I would come and do a special private lesson for this one kid in this big class just because, you know, that's what you had to do for that one kid. And that's something that I, you know, we got from a, some, oh gosh, I think somebody came in. I didn't even go anywhere for that training. Like the campus brought somebody in. They were talking about, you know, the importance of engaging all your students and just, you know, not leaving that one behind. So yeah, I, I, I got, I said, I got lucky, Matt. I got some really good I got some really good principals. I got a really good district that, you know, cares about that. And I got fortunate because I know, you know, there's some small districts out there that don't have budgets for, you know, technology or they don't have budgets for, you know, bringing people in to talk about, you know, students who might need more emotional needs, um, socially emotional learning. That's what it's called these days, SEL. And I think my first couple years, like it's so overwhelming. Like you don't exactly reach out on your own and do this learning because when you have a break from school, you're like, I have to decompress. But because those first few years, you know, they were bringing so many people in, I, I was able to get that. I guess kind of um, a piece of advice I'd throw out to anyone else who is um, maybe at a smaller district and they're not getting, um, they're not getting like the resources coming in. They're not getting money to be able to go out. I know the first two, maybe three years are sucky. They're hard. You're struggling to stay alive. But after that, make sure you start investing in yourself and you are doing your own reading um, there's so many reading lists that you can look up to kind of help with, well, right now, the whole big thing, you know, there's the emotion, social emotional learning, there's a big push now for restorative practices. I've, um, I've attended a number of those trainings. But before I did the trainings, I actually had to research it on my own because I found out about it. Um, through my master's program and they just briefly discussed it and I wasn't getting any training on it yet in my campus I didn't really know of anything nearby so I started reading and I started you know going through um, scholarly articles that you can find and that's how I was able to invest in myself and do it basically for obviously for free unless I bought a book off of Kindle or iTunes but that's crucial if you're not getting the extra resources you have to be looking it up for yourself you have to be seeing what's going on in the world and the realization you know, 
a couple years back with, you know, we're not treating our black students equitably and what can we do for that? Again, that wasn't something I was specifically getting. So I had to research that on my own. So, so yeah, and I'm actually glad that you mentioned about being able to learn things on your own, so to speak, but more so because like this whole idea of being a, a, a lifelong learner, I, I still struggle with that e- even today. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I've done, you know, some things that have helped me in my career and, you know, seek, you know, gone and sought out people and things like that. But you're absolutely right. Like if, if you don't have those resources available, then, you know, alongside your advice, I mean, like use Google and I mean, go on YouTube. And I mean, there's people posting lectures and, you know, talks and all different kinds of things and social media too. I mean, you know, follow these people that, you know, the quote unquote experts, right. But even somebody like you, I mean, that, you know, has done some amazing things. And I mean, I'm sure that in the future, you know, you're going to be in a position to be able to influence more people and, you know, those types of things. And so um, I kind of want to transition a little bit now to talking about leadership. And so I haven't really had the opportunity to kind of speak to that. You're you're actually my first guest that is an instructional coach. And so I kind of want to learn a little bit more about what that looks like. And you can kind of talk us through if you want what that looks like coming out of the classroom into that leadership role, or you can frame it as like, how did you use your graduate degree to help you? Because you have a master's in educational leadership, right? Okay. So, you know, you can frame it in either one of those ways. So I, I got my, my master's because I do want to become an assistant principal one day and then a principal one day. And I mean, I, I, I want to influence more and more people, but I'm going to say this coming out of the classroom, like was devastating. <laughs> I did not have babies. I did not have 130 babies that were mine, that were excited to see me, that, you know, I used their names when I was creating math problems for the warm-ups and for test questions. Like, it hurt. It was so sad. And then I went to a campus, and there were some great teachers. There's always some great teachers, and then there's always some teachers that aren't as great that need your help a little bit more. And one of the teachers that I was helping, you could tell she was just done, and she didn't love her babies. And it's like my heart. But I really, what I had to keep telling myself, it's like, okay, yes, I had 130 kids, but now I am supporting a team of close to 15 teachers and 10 of them have 130 kids. So, you know, when you multiply that out, it's like, okay, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to reach more people. I've, you know, done all these, all this research and all this practice with, you know, equitable teaching practices. That's something that's been very um, important to me and something I've been very passionate about these past couple of years, especially. Um, but just also just overall instruction. One thing that I've always pushed away from is just, and something that I saw at this campus when I first started, even from the good teachers, is I would walk into a classroom and there's like three different colored worksheets on their desk and that's all the kids are doing. Do worksheet one and go to worksheet two and go to worksheet three. And that's all we're doing. Worksheet, 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 day after day after day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these, you know, that sucks. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. And I love math, like really love math. Do not want to do worksheets all day. Uh, So this, that was like, that's what I wanted. And I was able to do that. So I was able to go in and like, you know what? 
how about we'll do this you're right this worksheet is great it has some really good problems that cover this teak you'll really get good data on whether your kids understand it or not but let's do it in a game let's you know use quizzes or let's use Kahoot or you know what's really fun is you know there's this application where the kids can actually draw this out and you can get all their pictures on a computer screen and you can like post them up but that is okay because in this new position like I'm able to go in and I can hold their hand and that's what I did like I would be in their classes and we would be running this technology game and if there was a glitch I was there to help them work through it and it was all good and there's no big deal with it and what's even more fun is like showing them how to do this with like you know Google Classroom oh gosh Google is amazing but like getting data from like Google quizzes and guess what you don't have to take like a thousand papers home anymore oh my gosh you can just access it from your home computer and you can see all their data you can do grades there and you're not like killing your back so I was able to do this for you know, these teachers, which, you know, made their lives easier. And I was able to give, uh, you know, all these kids like so much more to, you know, a more engaging math experience, which was also amazing because I went to a campus that obviously was a lot larger. It was like well over a thousand kids and I had come from a campus that was under 800. So, you know, I was doing what I wanted to do, even though it was scary and I was so sad about not having my babies, <laughs> like using this leadership and taking it out and like being able to help everyone else that was what I wanted to do and that's what I'm doing. So it feels good. Yeah, no, and that that's perfect. I mean, I, you know, it, it is it is challenging sometimes to, I don't know, I mean, technology is not going away. I will tell you that much, right? And we, we all kind of know that but at the same time it's like how can you help teachers embrace that and you know it, we're, we're going to be going back to a different environment right and that, that's just going to be a given I mean unfortunately it is what it is I mean but I've had a couple of colleagues tell me that you know they've told me you know Matt you've been pushing technology for years and years and years and I'm like yeah and I'm like here we are like all of a sudden like everyone has to become some sort of you know technology I don't even want to say guru because that's not the right word to use but at some point we're gonna have to learn how to use technology in the classroom at at least a foundational level and so I again going back to my time watching you in the classroom I mean you really took off with that and you really embraced it and you were pushing your kids to be able to try these different applications. You know, you mentioned Nearpod and, you know, Kahoot and those types of things. And so um, I really ad admire that about you and being able to, to take that leap with your kids. So a question that I have for you in like, if you could go back in time and if there is something that or something or some things that you wish you would have known either in your career, about life, just you know, and maybe fusing those things together, what, what would it have been? Like, you know, here you are very well off in your career. I mean, you have these aspirations and goals. Like, what would you have wanted to have known back then before you even got started on this journey? Gosh, I don't know. That's a hard one. Or, or we can frame it this way. Is there anything that you would have changed or done differently or maybe done more of in order to maybe get where you would like to be in the future. No, I'm pretty sure I'm perfect and I did everything perfectly from the start. No, that's a blatant lie. Um, <laughs> there's so much like you, oh gosh, you always beat yourself up because you reflect back and you're like, oh my gosh, I taught that that way. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I said that to that student. I had no idea about this or I know it. Like I didn't know about just kind of the whole equity study when I first started. And I think 
I, while I, I have a Hispanic background, my, my family's from Spain, I'm still technically white. So I've always had like, you know, the white privilege. And so I've always had that mentality and that mindset. And I always consider myself, oh, I'm not racist. I treat everyone equally. And the thing is, you can't treat everyone equally. There are some people, there's going to be some kids who need something more. And um, I always think of this one uh, graphic that I've seen uh, where, you know, it's pretty mainstream where there's these kids trying to look over a fence to watch a baseball game. And, you know, equity is giving them all the same stool, but of course they're not all the same height. So there's still that little shorty who can't see. But when you make it, you give everyone what they need. Yes, the shorter kid's going to have a bigger stool, but you know what? they're getting the same thing that they're getting what they need to be on level with everyone else. Nate, which, you know, I've, I've done that. They're coaching for equity. And also I did it as a teacher. They're teaching for equity in the classroom. They have an even better graphic where they're having kids who are trying to reach a whiteboard and they have, you know, they have those steps, but then there's this other kid who's in a wheelchair that no matter what step you provide that child, they're not going to be able to reach it. So they have their own little whiteboard with them. And so I think if I had known that probably from the beginning, I felt like I was probably giving everyone, I was treating everyone equally. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to make sure I call in every single person in the room. I go, you know, I always made sure I talk to everyone, every class, but there were some days that were probably where, you know what, this kid, I can tell they're having an emotionally bad day. I don't think I need to ask them, you know, to tell me what the square root of this number is. I just need to talk to them after class and just touch and make sure they're okay. Or there's this other student who is just, oh gosh, they're usually the student that annoys you, but they're the ones that need the most love and attention. They're the ones that talk a lot and they're a little ADHD. And you know what, maybe that kid needs just a couple of extra questions to feel better affirmed with himself. And again, that's not exactly equal, but it's giving those kids what they need. And I think I wish I'd known that from the beginning, because I know in the very beginning, I was very much about, I'm going to give everyone the exact same amount. I'm not going to do anything differently. It doesn't matter if this kid, you know, has this issue or, you know, this kid is having this kind of day, everyone gets the same. And that is probably one of my biggest regrets looking back is just making, you know, I guess not being more well-versed even before I started the job. You know, I was always a huge reader. I wasn't reading the right things. I think once I got into education and I was coming across all these things and just everything that's in the media now, like my reading list has expanded even more. And it's all stuff I guess I wish I would have known back then, but you know, hindsight in 2020 and all that other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we kind of end our, our podcast for today, I do have one more question. So if you were to give advice to someone, and I think you had mentioned this earlier, but someone that's looking to either get into education or maybe someone that's in the classroom that is looking to become an instructional coach and you know move up in leadership, um, what kind of advice would you give them as far as like how to set that path? You've got to be open and you've got to um, be open to change. Um, if you're going to go into the classroom, it's going to be a huge change and know that every year you're going to have different expectations from the admin and it's going to be like it's your first year every single year. There's going to be different changes that they throw at you. There's going to be different things that you um, they want you to try. And if they're not giving you different things to try, then you better be researching and finding your own different things to try because you should never be okay with the status quo. Um, I feel like once you're okay with the status quo and saying, oh, my kids are good enough, oh, my test scores are good enough, then you're done. You're done. Get out because you're not helping the kids anymore. 
um, you should always be striving to help our kids do even better than what you know they've done before, what you've done before with them. As far as being in the classroom, that's crucial. As far as going into leadership and being an instructional coach and helping other teachers, same advice. Um, but the thing I would tell you is that and something that I've had to learn is it's really important for people to kind of come to their own conclusions. You can't just say, the sky is blue. I can say that, but, you know, if someone's never been outdoors, they're going to be like, okay, that's nice. Way to go, Lena. And they may or may not believe me until they go out and they see it themselves. So as someone who's, you know, new in a leadership role or trying to get to there, make sure that you're just, you're not there to tell people the sky is blue. You're there to help people get outdoors and see it for themselves. That is a great thing to say. And I appreciate you saying that. So that's a great segue to closing out the the podcast. You know, I always try to encourage my guests to kind of leave some inspirational words for our listeners out there today. And so if you can kind of just share your thoughts around what would you say to somebody that is thinking about, you know, either changing careers or because this the whole premise behind this podcast is like career life and learning. And I try to really try my best to make sure that every episode, you know, is tailored towards those three things. And so what would you say to someone that is out there listening that is, you know, maybe not so sure about if their job is right for them or if they're thinking about a career move? Again, kind of going back to your experience coming from corporate America into the education world. You know, I can't hurt to try. I mean, I don't even want to imagine where I would have been mentally if I had just continued to stay in corporate America and not, you know, just given it a shot. And I feel like that just, that goes with everything. Like I'm telling, you know, the advice I've been giving, oh, be open to change, you know, try this new initiative that this new admin may tell you to do. And you have to give it a shot and you have to put your all into it to see if it will actually work and pan out for you. If you don't, then guess what? It's not going to work. If I didn't give it a shot, guess what? I wouldn't be a teacher. If I didn't give the shot for, you know, equitable learning in the classroom, then guess what? I probably be still doing a terrible job and doing a huge disservice to my minority students. If I didn't give it a shot and put all my into it, then I wouldn't have gotten my position as an instructional coach and trying again to influence so many more kids and so many more teachers with all these wonderful things that I've, I've had the ability to learn and be exposed to. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow me on social media using the handles at education underscore explode or at Matt Edutech. We'll chat again soon.